Ultra. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And today we're preparing to annihilate Minute 6, which begins with Gary putting on a black long sleeve t-shirt and ends with Gary proclaiming to Peter that he is indeed the once and future king. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is a long sleeve shirt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to gotta cover up those, uh, uh, those bandages. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, you know, it's, that's, that's, a, that's a very sort of uh, 90s, 80s, 90s goth thing to have like long sleeve t-shirts. Yeah. Instead of short sleeve t-shirts. You, uh, as little parts of you that could be hit with sunlight as possible. Right, right. Because you got you to gotta stay pale. Would you, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like goth is, uh, it, it kind of changes depending on what decade you're in. Sure. Yeah. Like, like I know growing up, my, my teenage years were sort of in that, you know, two thousands, the early, sure. the early to late two thousands. And when I think of goths, I think of like, uh, like the used or my chemical romance or, um or like which is which is funny because most people i most people or just like i don't i hate to use the term basic um but like you know not people like non-scene kids um or or non like creative types would probably call those emos that's true that's true well that's another uh cornerstone of goth culture is what actually that isn't goth right Right. That, that thing that you think is goth actually isn't goth. I, and see, from my perspective, because I was more of an emo kid, those kids weren't emo. They were goth to me. Like the the super like My Chemical Romance like fans, like the, the, the ones that wore black all the time and listened to them. I, I, I associated them more with like a new age goth culture than I did with emo, which I associated more with like Dashboard Confessional. Right, right. Which are two totally different things in my mind. Probably not from people on the outside. Maybe they seem the same. But um, from my perspective, uh, it always seemed – they seem very, very different. See, even I, though they were called the same thing. I always, I think of emos as – emo as like sort of the Romulans to goths, Vulcans. Sure. that I, I'm fine with that, yeah. Where it's like an offshoot. You kind of can't have one without the other. Right. I don't know if you can have dashboard without the cure. Which sure. Yeah. I, I kind of look at I kind of look at the cure as sort of the uh the miracle man of goth. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that that's not wrong. It's like, you know, when you look at the eighties, it's like your goth stuff was the cure was definitely there. Um but see then the Smiths, it's like the the Smiths were like the proto emo. Right, not so much. 
Because like I mean, yeah. when I think of the Cure, I think of the Cure having like an aesthetic, like a uniform, right? Like you had to have the hair, you had to have the makeup. But when I think of the Smiths, I think of like sweaters, sweaters, hand-me-down clothes, uh, like tighter jeans, mm-hmm. uh, just like more put together weirdly, like where you could like walk around in public and no one would think you were dressed weird. Yeah. Like whereas could, like whereas like the cure was like more performative, right? Yeah, which I think yeah. is which I think is what pissed off Trey Parker and Matt Stone so much, right? Because they hate I, they hate effort. Yeah, but then they love disintegration. Um, it's yeah they they confound me those two. Yeah, they yeah I think they confound themselves. Sure, they're like uh, uh, what is it? Trey Parker, Parker and Matt, and Matt Stone. Stone. Or, Okay, yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I always get their names confused. Yeah. Um Trey Parker and Matt Stone are like the evil version of like uh Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They're like chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. like uh I don't know, like I, I remember yeah. listening to like the like South Park episodes used to have little like ten minute commentaries. Uh-huh. And I remember they I think it was Trey Parker once described his religion as like I just want to play Nintendo and not think about anything. Yeah. And like I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause like their anger is mostly directed at people who care, people who who try. Right. I mean, like even the I mean, because I think about those goth kids in South Park and there was like they were mad at them for being performatively distant and morose. Right. Which is what I think of when I think, because I think that is kind of like the stereotypical goth mindset is darkness. Everything sucks. I wish I were dead. Sure. Oh, to be dead. Oh, to- yeah. And th- <laughs> right. Cause then, cause then, cause you've got, you, you go from people who are just sort of wallowing in their misery by performing an exaggerated version of their misery. Mm-hmm. But, and then that, that, evolved into sort of comedic takes on goth which was like oh yeah they all want to be like victorian vampires yeah like lydia, like lydia deets right they all want to be dracula <laughs> um but when in reality the way the goth actually evolved was like it went from wallowing in misery to about like personal misery to wallowing in societal misery right and then that so that transition from the cure to sisters of mercy to uh you know like your marilyn manson in yeah the 90s. to like uh i can't believe i'm stuck in this late 90s backstreet boy like burbank right. bullshit like tim right, burton right tim burton just is as extensionally confounded by the fact that he grew up in suburban burbank in the 60s right Right, right, right. He's just—he's never going to be able to get over the fact that he grew up in a safe, clean suburban neighborhood where everyone had nice lawns. Right, right. But, but, uh, yeah. So then, but I would say that I would say that Gary King's version of goth is, you know, in that transition between Sisters of Mercy and Marilyn Manson, where he's not quite. He's not wallowing in self-pity and sadness. Yes. He's actually enjoying life. Mm-hmm. But he finds that he has more in common with those things. And maybe he doesn't intellectually know why. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's why we're, why I'm even – why I even broached the subject of, of this is because to me, I don't think of Gary King as a goth. 
Right. I think of him as more of like a punk. Sure. Like an against me kind yeah. of like I want to I want to punch a cop or I want to like get in a right. fight with a jock because they're the man and fuck the man, you know. Yeah, but but there's definitely like goth punks, but I think when you talk about like goth punk culture, which is probably more in line with what I was when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um specifically like ninth grade. I think I grew out of it by the time I was a sophomore, but mm-hmm. um or mostly anyway. But uh uh the the idea of it was that yeah, like I was happy. I just liked the aesthetic. Yeah, definitely. Which is which is much more of like a Tim Burton thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's just aesthetically this pleases me. Mm-hmm. I like this. It's not so much that like I agree with I don't know the politics of it or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you're, you're you want to say? Yeah, you're not passing yeah. out like manifestos. To, right. To, to, right. It's so just like, like I I like this stuff. Like I I think it's cool. Yeah, like, that's what it is. I, where, I, where it's like if you were to ask kids in, in the early '80s who were like really into the Cure, it was like, oh, this is the only thing that understand that 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 you know this this speaks to me. This is the only thing I feel like I understand. Right. And then later on, it was just like I don't know. I think it's cool, <laughs> and I think that's kind of where Gary's at. Is like he's he's trans he um a- as a kid he was transitioning out of the no one understands me. Only this music speaks to me. Right. Into the, I don't know. I just think this aesthetic is cool. Yeah. And, and so it's like that music does speak to him, but maybe he doesn't entirely know why, because I don't think, I think he's definitely in denial about how depressed he is. Yeah. I don't think Gary King doesn't strike me as a, uh, a super reflective, pensive dude. No, no, not at all. Um, um That's interesting. But- because yeah. like I, because I know I I grew up listening to like you know really really loving like My Chemical Romance, and like say anything because they spoke to my internal conflict where yeah. I, I felt so freaked out all the time and like right. and I had so much emotions and like it was life or death in my head, mm-hmm. but then outwardly I I kind of dressed like like a Marvel character when they're undercover. (laughs) Yeah. I just tried to be as like nondescript as possible because I was like afraid of being marked or called out as one thing or the other. Right. Although I think probably some of that had to do with, um, as you've told me before of like trying your best to be culturally white. Sure. Or to fit in or sort of, or, or just sort of uh, naturally finding myself, because I kind of, I kind of grew up, I kind of grew up around more white kids than brown kids, so yeah. I didn't really know. Like I had like Selena, I had like Cumbia Kings, and I had Luis Miguel, but that really felt more like my parents than I wasn't really. I didn't. I, I wasn't growing up watching Blood In, Blood Out. You know, sure. I, sure. I would. I would grow up reading Harry Potter and listening to like Green Day, and I wasn't even aware that there were bands or culture like that in Mexico. Right. Because I wasn't around those kids. Sure, know? sure. And so we're told that like, oh, if you like Royal Tenenbaums, like that's that's white as shit. That's that's right. That's as white as white gets. Right, right. But which that, I guess which I guess is probably why Robert Rodriguez meant so much to you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because he he was like he found like the balance between the two. He was the he's he's the one who walked between worlds. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the daywalker. <laughs> where he he was proud of his heritage and his like movies were Mexican as fuck, but also 
there was an Americanness to them because he's an American right. and I'm an American, you know, right. I, I've spent right. a collective, maybe like 50 hours in Mexico. That's not true. It's probably more than that, but, but, you know, and, and yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess Gary King's aesthetic is, is really interesting to me because he is such a like live wiry character, but he dresses very like, like kind of Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think that, I think that, it, it's Tim Burton-y. It's also very um, uh, what, what, what's the guy at Heather's? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Christian Slater. Christian yeah. Slater, yeah. Christian Slater and Heather's. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much him. It's got. It's definitely got a Columbine quality to it. Sure. It's got um, a Matrix quality to it. You know, mm -hmm. like that was the that was the nineties. It was. It's. It's interesting because. You go late 80s and you introduce like the black trench coat look with like Heathers and, and everything. And then by the time you get to 99, everything is the same. It's just shinier. Yeah. It's leather now. It's latex. <laughs> yeah. It's latex and leather instead of. So it's like a little more kinky. It becomes a kink. Yeah. Rather than a st an aesthetic choice. Yeah. Like I and, yeah. And, and not even really knowing what that was yet. Like I remember going, I remember watching The Matrix and then going to see The Matrix Reloaded. And not really knowing what like bondage leather kink stuff was, yeah. But now when I go back and watch those movies, I'm like, oh, that's absolutely what this is. That's that's what that's like the vibe that that's where Neo was hanging out at before he became the one, right? Right. Because that that those movies are so obsessed with counterculture. Sure, um, it's in the, it's and... in that movie's philosophy. Right, right, and and I mean, you know, and obviously there's a there's a reading of those films about uh, uh, being the person that you're uh, meant to be, uh, right. yeah. who you feel on the inside. You yeah, know? I mean, there was supposed so, to be, uh, um, God, I, I, I'm forgetting, uh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but one of the one, one of the crew that's sort of androgynous, the one that's dressed all in white. Oh yeah, uh, they were supposed to be another gender in the matrix right yeah but the studio at warner brothers was like eh, i don't like that i i well i think wasn't the wasn't the idea of it was that like it wasn't so much that they were like oh i don't know transgender that's that's scary um i thought it was more of just like that would be confusing to the yeah, audience yeah definitely like like it was really just like that cut and dry of just like <laughs> what do you mean they would be a different person that doesn't make any sense like how do we that's gonna just why are you just making this needlessly confusing <laughs> yeah. and Come and on. the wachowskis are both looking at each other like uh well we should, um, pick, we should pick up pedals <laughs> you're right yeah exactly they they make a good point andy <laughs> i agree larry <laughs> You can't see Nick, but he's doing air quotes <laughs> when he says those names. <laughs> oh, um, I love the Wachowskis. Yeah, I love the Wachowskis too. Um, and and I and I don't like using their dead names. Sure, um, definitely. Which is why the air quotes are important mm. um, for uh, context in an audio medium. <laughs> John Anderson. Yes, <laughs> air quotes. Yeah, they um, really did pick like the most normal name. That's so cool. I never really thought about that, but uh, yeah. Uh, we we get some uh, we get some great Patty Considine uh, working out again, communicating stuff non verbally. Yeah, yeah, that's his uh, our our one and only look at his fitness instructor girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Twenty six. <laughs> yeah, which she does not look twenty six. Uh, no, no, it blew my mind. You know, I'm going through Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yeah, and uh, she's twenty six in the first season. 
Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's so nuts. Yeah. The, the 50s were nuts. Yeah. But she has like two kids, right? Two kids. Well, there's and... the one that they never talk about, but then there's the one that always watches Howdy Doody. Right, right. Yeah. But the one then the other one's a baby, right? Isn't the other yeah, one? Yeah, the baby? other one's a baby and they never talk about it because they don't uh I've heard a- Amy Palladino talk about like babies and stuff and she's like, "Look, people have babies sometimes, but nothing interesting happens around a baby, so I don't like having using babies as props yeah. in a thing just to prove that they're there. Like you know that it's there, it's fine. Right. Well, you'll meet it again when it's an actual person. Yeah, it, it's like unless <laughs> yeah. the baby is a Muppet dinosaur, it's not. Right, it's not going to be very entertaining. <laughs> um, but this is this this uh, Gary putting on his uniform, his, his DMs. Yeah, yeah, is really interesting because it's it's sort of. Um, it's sort of like he's putting on his armor. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Uh, you know, I mean, this whole thing is a uh, a quest, you know, and mm-hmm. he is the king. Yeah. And he's putting on his armor, and his armor is uh, the outfit that he wore the last time that they did this. Right. I think it's so interesting that we, we never really get to see – because, you know, the him – I, I it, it gives me like Joel Schumacher Batman vibes. Sure. Like he's he's putting on the boots, putting on the shirt, he's putting on the coat, juxtaposed with the other members of the gang, the court, sort right. of going about their very grown up, very middle aged, like you, you exercising or, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. But Eddie Marsden is like ignoring the kids and, you know, reading the paper. Right. I'm, I think it's so interesting that we only really get a taste of what, middle-aged Gary is like in the suicide meeting or in the prevention meeting. Right. Because he's dressed super sad. Yeah. Just his color, just seeing Gary in those clothes, it was, is like, Oh yeah. You're like, that's, well, I mean, you know, we don't, he, the thing about this movie that I think is interesting is like, it is working on a certain level where Gary is manipulating these guys, but he's also manipulating us. Right. Because right. it's like it's like he's not going to let us see him outside of the context he wants us to. Like right? the Joker. Right. Yeah. The, the Heath Ledger so, Joker specifically. Right. Right. right sure. <laughs> but like he is he's in this room. And honestly, it's probably of all of these scenes, it's the coolest lighting. It's the it's it's <laughs> got a really cinematic look to it. Whereas like everything else is sort of generic looking. Right. You know, this is like, look how cool he is. It looks like an 80s music video. Yeah, there's like smoke kind of hanging out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you like, you cut to Peter reading that newspaper, which by the way, the headline says, new survey suggests happier Britain, which is of course uh, a reference to the network improving Earth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know, one of my favorite jokes, we don't want to get, I don't want to get too far into it, but the the, the irony of that they were actually... (laughs) It was actually making everything better. Yeah. Uh, but at what cost, Scott? Right. Has, has the world been better <laughs> since 2013? Almost, almost objectively not. Have you seen yeah. that? Have you seen that meme of where it's, it's the scene from airplane where Pete, there's a long line of people that are like shaking that woman on the plane. Oh yeah. And oh it's like, man. That's a great meme. That's yeah, a great and, meme. And it's just 2015, 2016, 2017. And then it's just like 2020, 2020, 2020. 
Oh um, man. But yeah. uh but yeah, it's uh and then we get yeah, we get him lacing up the boots. Mm-hmm. We get uh we get Peter's wife, Vanessa, um, who we never meet properly. We just see her in the uh the bookended versions of the scene. Right. Um here and then at the end of the movie. Definitely. Uh, and that's all we get. That's actually one of my disappointments, I would say. And it's it's not so much a disappointment because like I wouldn't change anything about this movie. I don't I don't want anything to be different because again, I think it's perfect exactly the way that it is. Yeah. But um I do I, I would like to see just from a <laughs> movies by minute standpoint and from a I really like these characters and I want to know more about their world and their lives standpoint, um, I would like to meet Vanessa and see what kind of person married Peter <laughs> and you know what kind of person is Steven's ex-wife, what kind of person is this fitness instructor. Like I want to know who these people are because I want to I want to know yeah. who they are in in um comparison to the person that they're dating the fitness instructor thing is interesting to me because it's juxtaposed with when i think of a 40 year old dating a 26 year old sure i think without too much judgment i think oh that's a person that wants to date someone that makes them feel younger but at the same time I think when when a man dates a, a woman who's significantly younger, there's a certain amount of control. Sure, yeah. Where it's like I want to date someone like oh this forty year. If I were to date a forty year old woman, I would have to be challenged and have. I don't want to sh- be challenged. I don't want to yeah. be challenged. I want to date a twenty two year old or a twenty six year old because guys who are that age are fucked, right? And garbage piles. So that's what she's used to. So I'll date this younger person so that I won't have to worry about, am I dressing like a grown-up? Am I acting like a grown-up? But the fact that this woman is a fitness instructor, and right. the one time that we see him, her with Steven, she is like training him. I don't know. To me, I wouldn't recommend – if I was if Steven was my friend, I would be like, I don't know if I would date my fitness instructor. Here's, here's my, my wonder sure. is, is Steven – I mean, we should probably be saving this, but the scene is here. Sure. Um, is he actually dating her? Oh, got it. Got it. Like or if, is he like seeing her, seeing her as a, as a client? Oh yeah. Like maybe they hooked up once. I don't know. Did they even do that? I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, I or guess is, he, is this just what he's telling people to make himself like seem cooler? cooler. Yeah, like if you asked her, she would be like, "Yeah, he's one of my clients. Sometimes we like go out for coffee, and it's yeah. a little weird because he's like forty, but he seems nice." Yeah, yeah. I don't know because I don't get I don't get a relationship vibe off of this scene. Yeah, yeah. It definitely looks like she's just spotting him. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, like like an Arthur Fleck, uh, Zazzy Beats situation. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, is Peter the only one of them that has kids? Yes. Yeah? Uh, Does... unless, unless I'm not remembering Andy's situation correctly. Because Andy's the only one who I think could have kids. Right. Because Stephen's yeah. dating. Yeah, Gary could have a kid. Gary French could kid. have. Yeah. <laughs> French kid. Imagine that. <laughs> 
Je suis Gary. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't remember if in that last scene with the Cornetto rapper, if Andy has kids. I think it's by himself. Well, he's with his wife. Okay. Because his wife is, is they're, they're like going organic in a big way. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I don't remember if there's any kids in that scene or if it's just him and his wife. Um, in any event. Maybe they ate the kids. Maybe they ate the kids. Uh, one way to go organic yeah uh um, got a french just, press uh, peter yeah yeah i think french presses are more commonplace in england than they are here uh, okay um just in general because it's yeah you know it's it's uh tea like it turns coffee into a tea like activity oh, it's more like tea yeah i think so um yeah but, the, the, uh, the shot of gary flipping the coat and turning it around he's got the sunglasses on is super matrix yeah yeah it is um it really is and uh you just know simon Pegg was like how cool did that look yeah <laughs> i think i can do it cooler and they just did it a few times yeah he, well he he had worked with tom cruise a couple times at this point so he knows about doing regular stuff in a cool way that's probably true yeah um and then we get our first reunion scene here, uh, which is, I mean, you could really call this like reunion week. Um, yeah, and we will. Yes, and we will. This is a reunion week. We get our first title card. Yeah. So, so uh, first of all, uh, Gary is at Peter's house and then like hides behind a, uh, like a ledge. Yeah. Pretty um, effectively. I never, yeah. I always like just miss him. I'm like, oh. Yeah, no, he's there. Uh, what What do you think is the situation here? Do you think he pulled Peter's address off of his car registration and so that he could follow him to work? Yeah, that checks out. Because the car, Cause like, why else would he be here? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know why he would be at his house unless he was expecting to, like, just go talk to him here and then realize he was going to work. Mm hmm. Like, oh crap, I missed him. Yeah, but he does he does seem to be like he wants to be putting on like a he wants uh just just the right moment to Yeah, it's he definitely show himself. Yeah, he definitely has a vision. He's he is directing this scene. Yes. He's like, okay, I want him to see the back of me looking at yes. a car, and then I'll 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 get to turn around and say something cool. Right. And then they'll freak out. I think we, because like I think we all we're all guilty of doing this. Whether it's like going to a bar to see people you haven't seen in a while, or some kind of reunion or class reunion, I, have, I haven't done that yet, mm -hmm. and I probably won't. I definitely won't now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I've I've had opportunities to do that, and I just I've never had any interest. Yeah, um, you, you seem like someone who the people that mean the most to you are kind of currently in your orbit. Not to yes. judge. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't I don't hear you often speak fondly of your youth. No. It never got <laughs> any better than 2006. <laughs> oh god. That and that's not even that. That's that was probably one of the worst years for me. Oh yeah. Um, Cuz that was that was after high school and I was uh had to have like a I think I was working at at a factory and at Circuit City. Wow. That was like that 2-year period where I was working both of those jobs. 
Damn. That was when you found uh, podcasting. Uh, yeah, that was when I found podcasting. Um, so I was podcasting in, as well. So I was working nearly full time at Circuit City, full time at the factory, sometimes overtime, and then also finding time for that. Um, and I wondered, and I wondered why my girlfriends kept leaving me. Um, <laughs> you just can't switch off. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, so interesting thing about this place. Okay, so the dealership. Um, yeah, the dealership that we're at, which I actually have some information on, but I'll, I'll bring that up tomorrow oh. uh, because it, it it's related to something that one of the characters says okay. tomorrow. But um, this dealership is set up really interestingly uh, from a design perspective. This shot of Peter here, um, this labeled shot of Peter, this establishing shot. So mm. first of all, first thing I noticed was that all the car salesmen wear black suits with gray ties and white shirts. Yes. Which is pretty classy, honestly. Like, I think about, you know, uh, dealerships uh, cars, in America. Yeah, dealer, American dealerships and car salesmen there, and they're all just wearing like blue polos, like athletic polos. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, buddy, you looking at it to buy a car? Let's get you in there, buddy. Let's get you in there. Let's get you in that car. Um, just, just sell me a car. Just talk to me like a human being. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to feel. I, <laughs> I. I will never. I. I've. I've. I've bought. Uh, I think two cars from a dealership, and um, as soon as they start talking to me like a salesman, I. I leave. Yeah. Like because I'm just like I don't want you talk to me like a human being or like you're not getting my money. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. Like, I don't. Don't stop. Not stop this, trying to manipulate me. Yeah. This isn't Glengarry Glen Ross. Like. Right. I'm not a fucking fish or a or a whatever the metaphor is. Yeah. I just. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really annoying. I'm gonna go on Craigslist. Um, so that was the first thing I noticed was their was their their uh suits, um, their uniforms here. And then I noticed the rest of the place and I just realized that this this is fully monochromatic. Um all of the cars are white, gray, and black. Yeah. Um, all of the desks are are white, gray, and black. Uh, the only difference is in uh, is in the upper left corner and the bottom right corner have these sort of beige elements, I guess, to sort of like mm. bring bring the thing balance it out, I guess, in a way. Yeah, balance out the the, the shot. Um, it's a really gorgeous shot as far as like color theory and everything goes. Sure. Yeah, it's like it's like making you know that like this job sucks and it's boring. <laughs> without like doing really obvious stuff of like a cubicle and yeah like, I, or, I, I like that none of these people work in a cubicle right yeah. like it's like they it's not none, none of these this is the most boring job that any of them probably have um and it's not that bad like it's it's telling you that it's boring through like context clues more so than like the obvious sort of um like stack uh, a yeah. stack of paper dropping right in front of Peter's face. Right, right, right. Like a like a uh, the Office. worker bee, the worker bee thing. Yeah, the uh. kind of visual, the, the kind of easy visual language. Right. Or like you know the douchebag boss. Like right. Hey Peter, I need you to come in late. Oh, I have my yeah. life. My life. Yeah. He's well. I mean, he does have that douchebag boss, but it's just his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, if I may, yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about Eddie Marzen. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Talk about Eddie Marzen. Uh, Edward Maurice Charles Marzen. Wow. 
That's the name. Yeah. Was born on the 9th of June, 1968 in the Stepney district of London to a working class family. This is all Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, his father was a lorry driver. Oh. And his mother was a school dinner lady and teacher's assistant. So okay. salt of the earth. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense that he was in a Mike Lee movie. <laughs> uh, he left school at age 16 uh, and initially served as an apprenticeship as a, as a printer before beginning his career in theater. He trained at the Mountain View Academy of Theater Arts, graduating in 1991, Natch, and went on to study under Sam Cogan at the Cogan Academy of Dramatic Arts, of which Marzen is now a patron. His first oh. television appearance was in 1992 as a yob or a uh, uncultured person, or, you know, like a, like a slob or a dude or whatever, in yeah. uh, the London weekend television series, The Piglet Files. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, going on, he played a, a bungling bank robber in Game On and uh, went on to work in such uh, shows as Casualty, The Bill. And uh, he's uh, he, he's one of our busiest working actors. Uh, he won. He was nominated for a uh, London Film Critics Circle Award and National Society of Film Critics Award for one of my favorite movies that I've seen him in, Happy Go Lucky. Directed by Mike Lee. Uh, listeners, mm-hmm. if you've never seen Happy Go Lucky, it was the first time I saw Sally Hawkins in a movie. Uh, a great, great movie. Definitely, I would recommend watching it right now. It's just about a girl played by Sally Hawkins who takes driving lessons from Eddie Marzen, who's super grumpy. And it's amazing. It's what made me fall, fall in love with Sally Hawkins. And it's uh, actually, I think, the first Mike Lee movie I've ever seen. Eddie Marzen has also been in uh, films like uh, Hancock, he he was Inspector Lestrade in Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, 60 Gangs of New York, 21 Grams, V for Vendetta, Gangster Number 1, Miami Vice, Mission Impossible 3. I can't remember him in Mission Impossible 3. Me either, actually. I don't I don't remember. I mean, but the thing is, is like when Mission Impossible 3, the last time I watched Mission Impossible 3 was probably before I saw this, so I probably didn't really know who Eddie Marsden was. Got it. You know who else is in Mission Impossible 3 is Aaron Paul. Oh, really? He's uh, he's uh, he's Julia's uh, brother. Yikes. Wait. It re- oh, oh, yeah. I think I do remember that. That's right. Yeah. I love 3. 3 was my yeah. favorite for a while. Yeah. Definitely. It was my favorite for a while, too. It was my favorite until 4 came out, and then 4 was my favorite until 5 came out. <laughs> Yeah, five uh, five is still my favorite though. I like it a little more than Fallout. Oh, just really? a little more. Yeah, just a little more. Just and a little more. That's so interesting. Uh, oh, and also, uh, just to kind of bring it together, Eddie Marzen was also in a movie called Tyrannosaur, which was directed by Patty Considine. Oh, and we'll get more into him further on in the week. Yeah, uh, yeah, Eddie Marzen's great. Um, he's, and he's this terrific. is this is so unlike any other role that he's ever done. Um, it's it's sort of brilliant. His performance in this is so underrated, I think. <laughs> uh, like this this bit in particular where he's just like, she's a beaut. And he's like, yeah, but she's no beast. And the instant look of horror that <laughs> fills Eddie Marsden's face. Oh, no. Oh, God. What? <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's twofold because it's. Oh my God, it's Gary. But then he also has this moment where he sort of looks Gary up and down and realizes that he is dressed exactly as he was in 1990, mm-hmm. which is, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, I don't, I don't know. Like, cause we, we see him as 
that's Gary King. That's that's just how he looks. That's his uniform. Right. But the idea of seeing someone that you haven't seen in 20 years, almost 30 years, and they st- have not evolved their aesthetic in the slightest. I think the older I get, it's one of those things that the older I get now, the more I can relate to the other members of the crew for being like, what is going on? What are you doing? This is the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that would look like for me if like someone I hadn't seen since like 2010 was still dressed. Well, I guess not enough time has passed. Yeah, not enough time has passed. And I don't think you had as distinctive a style as Gary does. No. So I don't I think that would be it would be it's different. It'd be the same for me. Like I it would be weird. It would be it wouldn't it would just be look like I was dressing slightly immaturely, you know? Right. Like wearing like a dashboard shirt and tight yeah. jeans. Right. Well, no, I wouldn't be wearing tight jeans. I never did that. Um because when I was in high school there were no skinny jeans. It was uh girl jeans. Guys wore girl jeans mm-hmm. to get the skinny jean look. Yes. The girlfriend's um, jeans or their sister's jeans. Right. Uh and or they would just go to the women's department and buy jeans. Um but uh if you were fucking minted. right um and i never did that i was uh i i had jinkos so i guess maybe that would be my thing it was just like are you wearing jinkos and and vans (laughs) yep what are you doing (laughs) yeah see i feel like i don't know i feel like dudes in general can kind of get away with that more of like yeah i wear vans but i'm also like the head of a company (laughs) Yeah, but like, yeah, but my vans were like those big vans, like the big, uh, got it, big, got it. big chunky vans. Sure, um, that's that's what I had. Uh, I didn't, I did not skateboard, but I wore vans. Sure, um, I'm looking at I'm looking at my pair of vans right now here in my closet. I've never skated a goddamn day in my life. <laughs> I had a razor scooter. Yeah, but you had you have normal vans though, right? Yeah, I, I have, not like uh, skate shoe vans. You have like what slip ons or something, or like the. No, there's uh, a there's a little skateboard on the heel, but that's just the Vans logo. Yeah, I think that's just the Vans logo. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they're all skate shoes, but these were like specifically. They almost look like Heelys, but they're not Heelys. Uh, okay. They they look big. They look big enough to um, have wheels in them, despite not having any. <laughs> I guess that would be a telltale sign, as if like a forty year old man had Heelys. <laughs> that would be it right there. Are you wearing Heelys, Gary? <laughs> Woo! Wee! <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> if Gary had wheelies. And the, that's the only thing that can make this movie better is if he just he had heelies and wheels in his DMs. <laughs> uh, this is the movie that I associate DMs with for for sure, for sure. Yeah, before this, it was Daria. Yeah, I kind of miss Daria. That kind of that kind of went over my head. I wasn't. Aren't they? Aren't they uh, bringing Daria back? I think I heard that that they're doing like a new season of Daria. They found her. Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be about. No, weren't they? Uh, I'm getting my. I'm getting. I shouldn't. I'm not an authority on Daria at all. But I think like she had like a friend who was black or a side character who was black, and then she was getting her own show. Oh, is that right? Okay, but maybe they're I don't also... know. I don't. I don't remember. I just remember hearing something about something involving a daria resurgence of some kind was daria a mike judge joint because i know it's technically a beavis and butthead spinoff but i don't know if he had anything to do with the show 
No, I don't think he did. I think I think it is a uh uh it's definitely a Beavis and Butthead spin-off, but I don't think he had anything to do with it if I'm because like even the art style isn't his Super, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it was created by Glenn Eichler and Susie Lewis Lynn. Hmm. Uh the character of Daria Morgendorfer uh based on the character of Daria Morgendorfer from Beavis and Butthead created by Mike Judge. Yeah, because um, if you go back and find Judge Daria and Beavis and Butthead, she's much more of like a Mike Judge creation. Right. Yeah. Um whereas on Daria, she's much more of like like a Janine Garofalo character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um anyway. Wow, there was five seasons of Daria. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, I forgot about the movies. Oh yeah, like uh is it college yet? Yeah, and is it fall yet? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Shout, shout out to Daria. Yeah, shout out to Daria. Shout out to Daria indeed. Um <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's is that is that all we got here? Let me look at my notes. I think it is. We got a lot to get through this week. Yeah, we do. Um yeah, so like uh, you know, the the movie has officially begun. You know, yeah. we, were, we were last week was all um, preamble, uh, yeah, preamble and uh, the credits, and that that was that was all last week, and so now now we're in the movie proper. So yeah. here we go. It's, go it's starting. Uh, go around Happy Go Lucky. Go stream Happy Go Lucky if you can, everybody. Okay, sure. Um, all right. Well, in the meantime, uh, it is Monday. Uh, or at least this is the. Uh, Monday episode of the show, uh, the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub. It's uh, the best thing about Facebook, except uh, my mom will sometimes uh, share stuff, and that's fun. But uh, yeah, it's kind of the only thing I do on Facebook now. It's really great. We've already gotten some really cool feedback and comments from listeners on the Facebook group. It's just a great little place to uh, to hang out and leave a comment and let us know if uh, you know what your favorite Eddie Marsden role is or what were you like in high school? What's your definition of goth or emo or punk? That conversation can last forever. True. Let us know. Uh, the listeners, Cornetto minute listeners pub on Facebook. And uh, tomorrow we'll be back with minute seven, but for now let's boo-boo.